Father, we thank you for this morning. God, we thank you for this time just that we can spend with you. God, I pray that you'll be with Brother Lee. And I just ask, God, that this time of worship won't stop here. God, but that it will continue through your message. God, that you will speak through Brother Lee and that you will continue to work in our lives, God. God, we thank you for this morning. We thank you for the cross, and we thank you, God, for who you are. God, and we love you. It's in your name. Amen. All right, John chapter 10. The Lord is gracious, and he loves us all. Thank goodness, right? So just to review what we learned last week, remember we were talking about the relationship between the sheep and the shepherd. In verse 1, I tell you the truth, anyone who sneaks over the wall of a sheepfold Rather than going through the gate, there in verse 1, John chapter 10, must surely be a thief and a robber. But the one who enters through the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. The gatekeeper opens the gate for him, and the sheep recognize his voice and come to him. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. After he has gathered his own flock, he walks ahead of them, and they follow him because they know his voice. They won't follow a stranger. They will run from him because they don't know his voice. So these are the marks of the sheep, the shepherd-sheep relationship. First of all, sheep hear his voice. The question we ask is, do you hear his voice? The sheep are led by the shepherd. So the question is, are you led, are you being led? Are you open to being led? Are you hearing his voice? Are you, are you being obedient to him? Are you following him? As he says that his sheep literally follow him and his sheep will not follow a, a stranger, another shepherd, another claimant of the sheepfold. They are not going to follow. There's an interesting story in the book of Jeremiah chapter 35 and the Lord told Jeremiah to invite the Rechabites to the temple and have a meeting with them, and he told them what to say. And so he goes out, and he has people go and find the Rechabites, and they bring them to the temple, and they, they go into a, a, a private room, and they have a meeting. And the Lord told Jeremiah to serve them wine. And so Jeremiah has some pitchers of wine available, and he uh, sit before them there in the temple area, and he starts to pour the wine for the Rechabites, and the Rechabites stopped him and said, we don't drink wine. Our ancestor forbid us to drink wine. And so all these many years, all these many generations, we have not drank wine. Our families don't drink wine. Our sons and daughters don't drink wine. Our grandchildren don't drink wine. We don't drink wine. And not only do we not drink wine, but we don't have houses. We, we don't have vineyards. We don't plant vineyards. We don't buy land. We don't plant farms. And we don't ever build a house for ourselves. We have been assigned by our ancestors to never drink wine, to never have a house, to never have a vineyard, to never ever have a, a farm of any kind, and for us to live in tents. And so the Rechabites were nomads. And they, and they had an ancestor that told them 
that this is the way life was to be for them. And after Jeremiah heard them out, and he spoke the word of the Lord to them and said, isn't it interesting, isn't it, isn't it interesting that you completely, absolutely obey your ancestor, but you do not obey the words of the Lord? Man, what a deal that is. What a lesson that would be for us today. Now, if you'll think about your life, there, there's something, there's some function, there's some set of standards, there's some set of rules, there's some tradition, there, there's something that you really obey. It's just, it's, it's how you're wired, it's how you're put together, it, it's something that's really important to you, and you obey it. You, you obey it without question. You obey it without hesitation. You obey it without reservation. You just obey it. It's just the way it is. Maybe it's how you lay out Thanksgiving dinner. And boy, with, with some government entities saying that we shouldn't gather for Thanksgiving, wow, what, what a pushback there's been for that, right? You know why? You know why there's such pushback? Because many people have got traditions that have to do with Thanksgiving and nothing is going to get in the way of breaking that tradition, right? It's a very difficult thing for people. And so there's lots of things that all of us, including myself, we're loyal to, we obey, we do without question, reservation, or hesitation. And yet, even though we do have the ability to obey without question, hesitation, reservation, we might be like the Rechabites that we're not completely obedient to the word of the Lord. What a, what a great question for ask ourselves. As we go through here, it says, am I hearing his voice? Am I being led by Jesus? Am I willing to follow him and Am I really truly following him or am I following something else? Am I following another voice? And one of the ways you can ask yourself this is, what influences you the most? What is there in your life that you would have to say that, that this one thing, this one person, this one philosophy, this one expectation, this one goal, this, this one motivator influences me more than the Lord Jesus does. You see, as his children, as his sheep, we are to be influenced the most by the Lord Jesus. Jesus said in Luke, he said, why do you call me Lord and not do what I say? He requires it. He wants it. He desires it. He understands that it's what's best for us. Now, we showed the picture of the, of the sheep that has not been shepherded. It is not been sheared and we saw the difference with the sheep that is in the fold and has been cared for by a shepherd and so when we go through this we I hope that you can really see that that being led by him that hearing his voice that following him and and being sure that you're listening to the right voice is for our benefit the way of the Lord is right, the way of the Lord is best. Always. The way, of the, the way of the Lord is right, and the way of the Lord is best. In every situation, in every predicament, 
in every conflict, in every struggle that you would have. The way of the Lord is right, and the way of the Lord is best. Now, verse 6, those who heard Jesus use this illustration of the shepherd being the door and all those things, that Jesus being the door, they didn't understand what he meant. They didn't understand exactly what he was saying. It was, it was foreign to them. So Jesus explained it to them. So let's see what Jesus had to say and what this is what he really wanted them to take away from this teaching that he gave them. Number one, Jesus is the door of the sheepfold and the only door. And if anyone else jumps over the wall, they are a thief and a robber. That's just the way it is. There's only one way of salvation. There's only one door. There's only one road that's right. There's not many ways to be right with God. There's only one way. And we see in verse 7, uh, Jesus says, I tell you the truth, I am the gate for the sheep. I am the gate. And you remember, we talked about that they would find a cave they would find in the side of a hill where that Jerusalem stone would wash out easily and they would take the rocks and they would build themselves a three-wall uh, uh, corral there or sheepfold, sheep pen to keep the sheep in. And, and there would be a door that he would have there. And the shepherd would literally in the evening when it's time for the sheep to bed down and they're being protected in the sheepfold that the, the shepherd would literally sit in that opening so that no predator can come in and so none of the sheep can mistakenly wander out and so when you see that Jesus says I am the good shepherd we see there the security of that when Jesus says I am the good shepherd we see there the the benefit to the sheep when Jesus says I am the door of the sheepfold we see that every other claimant to the right path to be right with God is a thief and a robber. He says in verse 8, All who came before me were thieves and robbers, but the true sheep did not listen to them. Yes. Verse 9, I am the gate. Those who come in through me will be saved. Boy, that's an important verse of Scripture, isn't it? Those who come in to the sheepfold through me will be saved. Those who come in, attempting to come in, in any other way other than Jesus will not be saved. Will not be saved. Not through good works, not through religion, not through tradition, not through ancestry, not through blood, you know, not through genetics, not through the passing on of a certain bloodline. None of that gives people an opportunity to be saved other than entering the sheepfold through the door, which is Jesus. All claimants are thieves and robbers. It says there, they will come in, in verse 9, they will come and go freely and will find good pastures. Now what does a sheep need? Good pastures. Needs good green grass. Good for the spirit. Good for the heart. Good for the body. Good for the wool. Good nutrient green grass. The Lord Jesus is the ones that gives to his sheep good ingredients, green grass. Help us produce fruit, would be that wool on the sheep. All claimants are thieves and robbers. Jesus said in verse 10, the thief's purpose, the thief's purpose is to steal and kill and destroy. Have you heard of fleecing the sheep? 
You've heard that, hadn't you? That guy was fleeced. Now, fleecing the sheep means that when that shearer, who is a master, comes and begins to shear the sheep, that fleece is that one piece. Now, it's an amazing thing when they go and, and cut that, that wool off that sheep. The real good masters of the craft, they will take one piece off that lamb, off that sheep. It's an amazing thing, really. And it's, that's what's called the fleece. And when that sheep has been fleeced, right? And so it's a good thing when the shepherd fleeces you. It's a bad thing when an imposter fleeces you and takes advantage of you. 1 Timothy 2, 5 and 6 says, For there is one God and there is one mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus, who gave himself as a ransom for all which is the testimony given at the proper time. There is one God and there was one mediator between God and men, Jesus Christ. He gave himself as a ransom for all. So every other philosopher, every other claimant is an imposter. Buddha is an imposter. Mohammed is an imposter. Confucius is an imposter. The Dalai Lama is an imposter. These people that claim themselves to be the Christ today, there's seven prominent figures in the world today that we mentioned some time ago that claim to be the Christ. Each one is an imposter. You see, the key is the one that is the good shepherd that lays down his life for the sheep and takes it up again. None of them have been resurrected. None of them have died for the sins of man. But Jesus is not an imposter. He is the one. Acts 4.12 says, And there is salvation in no one else, for there is, only, there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. And that name is Jesus. So Jesus said, I am the door. I am the gate. I am the way to know the Lord and to be right with God. The second thing is found in verses 11, 12, and 13. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd sacrifices his life for the sheep. That's the mark of the good shepherd. He sacrifices. A hired hand will run when he sees a wolf coming. He will abandon the sheep because they don't belong to him and he isn't their shepherd. And so the wolf attacks them and scatters the flock. The hired hand runs away because he's working only for the money and doesn't really care about the sheep. The difference between Jesus and a hired hand is Jesus lays down his life for the sheep. Doesn't matter how big and bad that wolf is, Jesus, the shepherd, is going to tangle with it. A hired man is not going to do that. A man that's not invested is not going to participate in that kind of bravery and that kind of sacrifice. But Jesus, being the good shepherd, willingly laid down his life for his sheep, and the hired hand is not invested like that. Now, if, if you own a company own a business, you have realized as time has gone on that regardless of how good a people you hire, regardless of who comes along to work with you that you put on board in your job, they're not quite committed like you are. Right? 
They're just not in it. They're just not in it like you are. And because you're the, you're the sole responsible, responsible party for the business, right? I mean, boy, it means more to you. And, and that's really what Jesus is laying out here. Man, I, it's, it's mine. I've been given the right to people. They're mine, and, and I'm invested. I'm invested in this situation, and there's a difference between that hired shepherd and the Lord Jesus. The Lord Jesus willingly lays down his life for the sheep. Verses 14 and 15. I am the good shepherd. I know my own sheep, and they know me. So Jesus knows his sheep, and his sheep know him. Relationship. The key between the shepherd and the sheep is there is relationship. That shepherd knows his flock. That shepherd knows his sheep. He knows them by name. He knows them by personality. He knows their characteristics. Believe it or not, that shepherd can look across the way and have all those sheep out there right before him. And, and he know I need to keep an eye on that one. I need to keep an eye on that one. I need to keep an eye on that one. They're the wanderers. They're the stragglers. They're, they're the ones that I've got to keep focused on. The shepherd knows his sheep. The sheep know the shepherd. And then it says, I know my own sheep and they know me just as my father knows me and I know the father. So that relationship between the son and the father, the father and the son is also between the sheep and the shepherd and the shepherd and the sheep. There is relationship. There's a relationship between us and Jesus, between Jesus and us. He knows us and we know him. He says, since as my father knows me and I know the father, so I sacrifice my life for the sheep. He knows us. He hears us. We know him and we hear his voice. That's the mark of a believer, of a, of a Christian. We hear his voice and know his voice. And how how. Are you hearing his voice? Are you hearing his voice? Do you hear him speak to you through the word? Do you hear him speak to you through prayer? Do you hear him speak to you through the body of Christ? Do you see him, hear him speak to you through life circumstances? That's the relationship between sheep and the shepherd. There's a relationship, a partnership. It's a love relationship. And then verse 16 through 17 and 18 here, 16 through 18. Jesus said, now, man, this is rough for the Jewish people to hear because of how they've been taught, what they've been taught and how they've been raised. Jesus says, for I have other sheep. No, you don't. We're it. Nope. Jesus says, I have other sheep. I have other sheep too that are not in this sheepfold. I must bring them also. They will listen to my voice and there will be one flock with one shepherd. Who is these other sheep? Who are these people? Well, we are. We are these people. He's speaking about the Gentiles. 
He's speaking to the Jews here in John chapter 10. He's speaking to his disciples. He is letting them know that they are not all there is for God. That God has a plan to reach out to others. And that plan has been in place a long time. Isaiah, their prophet. Isaiah, the one that they would listen to except for Isaiah 53, which they avoid altogether, the Jewish people. But Isaiah 42, 6 says, I am the Lord. I have called you in righteousness. I will take you by the hand and keep you. I will give you as a covenant for the people, a light for the nations. And so 700 years before Jesus said these words, in place was the plan of God for the Jewish people to be a light for the nations. Isaiah 49, 6, he supports this. It is too light a thing, is it, it is too light a thing that you should be my servant to raise up the tribes of Jacob and to bring back the preserved of Israel. I will make you as a light for the nations that my salvation may reach to the end of the earth. So the peoples that aren't right now identified as peoples of the earth, the places on the earth that right here and then for Jesus uh, speaking to the disciples, for Jesus speaking to these Jewish people here, they had no clue existed. I have come that you will be a blessing to them and you will carry out this salvation. You will be a light to all the nations and you will carry out this salvation plan to all the world, to the end of the earth. And we see Paul speak about this in Romans 1.16. For I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. So the power of God. So when, when Jesus says here, y'all aren't alone, you may be enjoying being in the sheepfold, you may be enjoying me as your shepherd, but you're not alone. I have other sheep too that are not in this sheepfold. I must bring them also. They will listen to my voice and there will be one flock with one shepherd. Paul's understanding in Romans chapters 9, 10, 11, which is very hard to understand in some ways, thinking about the relationship between Israel and Jesus, how that's going to work and what that's going to be like, the engrafting and how all that takes place. One thing that is clear as a bell rings out in this. Jesus has other people, the Gentiles, and the gospel is going to the Gentiles, and the Gentiles will believe. Whoa. Wow, that's something. Far more Gentile believers in the history of the world than Jewish believers. Now, how did that happen? Because God ordained it. Because it's His plan, His will. He says, you're going to struggle with it. I'm going to be a stumbling block to you. You're going to struggle with me. And He spoke to the Jewish people saying that I will be the stumbling block for you. You are not going to be able to get over me. You're going to trip and fall around me. It is going to be difficult for you to believe in me, to trust in me. Jesus understood all that. Paul understood how that worked. That Jesus was the stumbling block. But the Gentiles, not so much. There's going to be an easiness to believe. 
There's going to be a readiness to believe. And, and that's what Jesus is laying down here. Verse 15, he says, Just as my Father knows me and I know the Father, so I sacrifice my life for the sheep. And the result of that sacrifice is in verse 16. I have other sheep too that are not in the sheepfold. I must bring them also. They will listen to my voice and there will be one flock with one shepherd. Verse 17. The Father loves me because I sacrificed my life so I can take it up again. No one can take my life from me. I sacrifice it voluntarily. So when the Roman people believed that they put Jesus to death, they didn't. When the Jewish leadership believed that they put Jesus to death, they didn't. Jesus could have stopped that. But he willingly gave his life so that we could have the light of salvation. He says there in verse 18, No one can take my life from me. I sacrifice it voluntarily, for I have the authority to lay it down when I want to and also take it up again. For this is what my Father has commanded. This is the will of our Heavenly Father, that we would hear His voice. We would know Him. He would know us that he would be the door, that, that we would enter the, the right standing with God through Jesus at that door, that, that Jesus would voluntarily lay down his life for us. That's the will of the Father. And he's going to bring in lots of other people. And the truth of the matter is, as we said before, the Gentile people that have come in outnumber the Jewish people that was to be the light of the world. And that happened. That's the way it is today. That's the way it's been. Them Gentiles believe, will believe, and will continue to believe. But the good news is the Lord is not through with His people and there's going to come a harvest of, of Jewish believers before the return of the Lord. Man, we ought to be thankful. This Thanksgiving season, we ought to be thankful. Jesus was willing to lay down his life for us. Means we have a partner. We have an advocate. We have a leader. We have a friend in Jesus. We have a Savior, a Messiah, a counterpart. We have comfort. We have strength in him. We have one that can come and cure loneliness. We have one that can cure, come and cure anxiety. We have one that can come and cure hopelessness. We have one that can come and cure fear. We have one that can walk beside us in the darkest of times, in the valley of the shadow of death, and we cannot be afraid because he is there with us. We ought to be thankful. We ought to be thankful that we have a good shepherd that voluntarily laid down his life for his sheep. Help us, Father, to understand more what it means to be your sheep and that Jesus is our shepherd. Help us, Father, to walk in his ways. Help us, Lord, to understand. Help us to know. Help us to hear his voice more clearly. I pray, God, that every time your people open your word this week, they will hear you speak to them and they will adjust. 
They will obey. They will glorify you. In Jesus' name, amen.